This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Previously on Talk Time Live Exclusive. Uh, since you worked alongside the, you know, this project, can you tell us a little bit about what, the, what we can expect from this miniseries possibly? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's a four-issue miniseries mm-hmm. that we're in May right now. So it's actually, it is May? I believe it's coming out this month. It's four issues. It's one issue a week. Mm-hmm. It's written by Capcom. Unlike most of the previous Udon stories, we would write a story and then get the approval, you know? Yeah. So these ones are canon with game. The thing about, the beauty about this game in particular is I kind of love all the new ones. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's a nice, that's a nice feeling. When I feel like um, at least the designers of Capcom have, have found their groove again, in that sense. Yeah. Talk time live. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words with no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Journal of My Life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. As always, we got a fun show for you today with our talk topic being Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We're going to talk about what I thought about the movie and how it ended. So we'll be doing that at the top of this show. But of course, we got a lot of news going on in the world of our favorite fandoms. Actually, not really that much news, but some interestingly significant news that you may want to know. So we're going to talk about that before we get to that main event. And uh, let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. 
And now, it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. Okay, we're going to start off with some unfortunately sad news, especially if you're a Nintendo Switch owner that has been waiting to play Midnight Suns, and I am one of them. In an article on Game Informer's website, developers for Access Games revealed that the re actually revealed the release date, I should say, for the PlayStation 4 or Xbox One versions of the game. However, the developers also made a heartbreaking announcement that the acclaimed title would not be coming to the Switch despite plans to port the game on a later date. No reason as to why this is happening, why they couldn't do it. Honestly, I suspected this long ago when the game first arrived, because if you remember, the game was scheduled to come on all platforms. And they, prior to this, Fraxis Games did port earlier versions of XCOM onto the Switch. I don't know if it did it so successfully or not. I, I'm not sure. I remember playing XCOM on the uh, iOS, which is for those who don't know, who don't own a Apple product, that's their, you know, um, that is their operating system basically for iPad games, for, for iPad, and I, just anything Apple, put it like that. And I used to play XCOM on the iPad, which was awesome because the touch base features and controls really worked well with this. However, every once in a while, the game would crash and you couldn't get to a certain spot. So here we are with the Nintendo Switch, which I don't want to say is, you know, equally as powerful as the I would like to believe that is even more powerful than the than the iOS game. But uh, and I haven't played the recent games on the Switch. But I, I don't know. I have reason to believe that they couldn't find a way to work that in. And I suspected that this was going to happen when I saw the logo, the, the Nintendo Switch logo, I should add, being removed from all their advertisements, being removed from the website. The minute that they launched the actual uh, PS5, in Xbox Series XS uh, version. They suddenly removed the Nintendo Switch logo for some odd reason. That leads me to believe that they probably already made the decision long ago or that they, uh, they, you know, they were trying to get it in in hopes that they can add it to it, but maybe not. But it was scheduled to be on the Nintendo Switch uh, as well. And I was actually more contemplating on wanting to get it on the nintendo switch because to play that type of game on the go will be awesome the game already is fantastic as it is i mean if you have not played it if you talk about really great marvel titles or in gaming marvel midnight suns is in that realm and i'm talking just gameplay and i mean if you go back to listen to, um to my actual review of that game uh, a while back of course, go to talktimelive.com, go into the podcast page and just type in the search engine Midnight Suns and you'll, it'll pop up. You'll hear it in detail as to what I thought of that game. Really great stories, everything. Just It just had a complete package here. And I knew for some reason when, it, when I saw that they removed the Nintendo Switch, I'm like, there's a possibility that this game might not make it. Mostly because of, mostly because of my uh, skepticism 
and maybe cynicism <laughs> towards 2K games. Who was the publishers? Who is the publishers of the game, but not the developers? But I just feel like they're cursed. Anything that 2K games sometimes touch, it, it, there's always some difficulties along the way. So I color me not surprised by this news, unfortunately, but it, it's, it's, I didn't eat. Here's the bad part. I mean, I, I'll chalk it up, but it, it's just a bad part. I opted not to buy the season pass because I figured like, all right, I'm going to play this on the Nintendo switch. So I'm going to end up having to buy all this all over again. And I don't want to do it. And I'm talking about the DLC stories. So I did wind up doing like, I got the venom and a Deadpool one separately, which unfortunately you're going to call, you're going to pay more separately than you would the entire bundle. But I just said, all right, let me do it. Cause I would at least want to see if I want to invest in the DLC and see what they provide. Is it just the characters that they add on to come to find out? No, they add a lot more to that. Every character that they released so far has had their own individual story and a really good story at that. So I, I was really intrigued. I was really happy and enjoyed those stories. So I, I decided to stop with Venom and say like, all right, I'll just get the whole entire thing when the Switch version comes out. So now the Switch version is not out. So I'm just gonna end up getting all of it, which means I'll, you know, I had to, you know, bite the bullet and take, and just take the expense of buying every one of them individually. Cause I just got the Morbius one. I got the, the Storm one is coming this, uh, this week actually. So um, I'm just gonna chalk it up. And guess what? You know, that's fine because the stories are actually really good in really detail and on top of that i'll be able to replay all that over again when i play new game plus with it when i get the actual time to do that so i i did play the morbius one i did enjoy the morbius one as well as i did like the other ones and i like where the story follows up with the dracula series uh aspect of it as well so i am i'm looking forward to the storm one it's just it's sad it's really sad uh, again 2k games involvement in anything I, I, I look i get it i know it's not them i know it's for access games but for god's sakes i it just it bothers me that anything that just involved those guys it just it bothers me so much 2k games has always been a thorn on my side for a while when it comes to stuff like that um but yes the the, the it <laughs> You know, I could get I could get to saying like 2K games too when they had Blind Squirrel work on WWE 2K18. Um, it just it, it is what it is. It's unfortunate, but you know, at least it's still available to play. I, I hope maybe down the line that they can get it to work on air, or I don't know, maybe this aforementioned new Switch that possibly is being rumored. Uh, or new Nintendo handheld that's being rumored. I hope, I, honestly, I really hope there's not a new Nintendo handheld. I can't, <laughs> I can't with another one. I, I just, it's too early. It's way too early for a brand new Nintendo console at this stage. The, the Switch is just killing it right now. Um, leave that alone. But also, I'm thinking like the news that former game director of the XCOM games, uh, Jake Solomon, departure uh, from the studio earlier this year may also play a factor in it as well so maybe they're just moving on with it and again it's unfortunate for those who who don't own a nintendo switch who don't i mean yeah no for those who don't own a playstation 5 or xbox uh series xs that it, it sucks but 
again, it's coming out for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. I guess you'll have to deal with that. But if you are like me and wanted to play it on a handheld, it's it's unfortunate. This is just one of those things that we're going to have to be without. So, um, well, if you want a car battle game, at least you got Dragon Ball, you know, World Heroes Mission, which really is a great game in itself. Um, nothing. It's a great, absolutely great car battle game. I will definitely argue that Marvel in the presentation that they provided, it, it just it's so much better. It is so much better. So uh, it is what it is. And that's fortunate. Let's hope for the best, you know, maybe a year down the line, maybe they will think of it. Uh, I don't know. It's just these things happen in the game in, uh, in the gaming industry. What can you say? All right. For anime fans, I want to point out that one of the most legendary animes, classic animes, like this is old school anime, is coming out with a movie. Uh, and not only is it coming out with a movie, it has been announced to come out in theaters. That is Slam Dunk. For those of you who don't know Slam Dunk, Slam Dunk is like one of the earliest back in like from from like the late 90s, late 80s and the 90s. It was a basketball movie, one of the early uh, sports anime uh, dramas that you can see. But it's it was awesome. It was pretty damn awesome and funny. I actually had the first season on uh, on Apple TV and it's pretty cool. The, the voice acting is hilarious because it's, it's the early 90s and all this stuff. So, um, you know, voice acting was hit or miss back then. Nothing compared to what it is now. But the first slam dunk movie is arriving in theaters in the US. Um, this was been this has been advertised and announced for quite some time. But uh, there was no news as to whether this movie would even make it onto theaters. Now they have just announced it. Toei Animation announced on social media that the classic basketball anime series is coming to a theater near you this summer. The story of this, as I'm reading it from the website, Sohoko's speedster and guard point guard Ryota Miyagi always plays by uh, with brains and lightning speed, running circles around his opponents while feigning uh, composure. Born and raised in Akinawa, uh, Ryota uh, had a brother who is three years older, following in his footsteps of his older brother, who was a famous local player for the young age. Ryota also become became addicted to basketball in his second year of high school. Ryota play, uh, plays with the Shohoku, Shohoku high school basketball team, along with Sakuragi, uh, 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 Rikawa, Rukawa, actually Akagi and Mits, uh, Mitsui as they take uh, to the stage to enter uh, enter high school national team. And now, they are on the brink of challenging the reign, uh, the reigning champion, Sono Koguya High School. So, God, I got through that really good. <laughs> so that's the premise of it. If you've never seen it, I would definitely say go back. If you're a basketball fan, I think you would dig this. Um, the, the, what, what made people love this series so much is basically the, the character design, the art style of it, and just the fact that you're watching a sophisticated, uh, you know, presentation of a basketball drama. Like this is like white shadow from back in the day in a sense. And it was just, it's just awesome. It's just beautiful. Um, I I've been a fan of this since like the jump. So 
if you're a fan of this, you may want to uh, consider checking us out when it comes in the theaters this summer. So I, I may actually give this a go and check it out and see because the animation alone just looks stunning. Um, this is like years later. This is pretty much celebrating, you know, the anniversary of this anime that they're coming out. And for them to come out with a new anime, it speaks volumes there. So got anyway, check it out and stay tuned for more on that one. All right. Speaking of anime or animation in this case or both, I want to get my thoughts on this season of star wars visions the new season which arrived on may the 4th i i loved it i absolutely loved it i loved every episode there were uh what was it, like nine episodes this year and they did not disappoint and what they did this year is that they last the last season of star wars visions was heavily anime based they completely every episode that you saw was anime uh produced this time around, they went broader. They they seeked uh, out a lot of different animation studios from around the world. Some of them you're very familiar with, some of the art styles you're familiar with, and now you get a different collage of different animation styles from different parts of the world celebrating Star Wars in their own way, including including uh, one from India. You actually, there is one, um, there is an anime episode as well, so for those who are still loving the anime, you know, uh, presentation of what they did last year, there is an episode that they have on air as well, but they went all out. There's actually, I'm sorry. There's two, there's two episodes. Um, I, I can't say which one I'll, I actually, I can, but they all were great episodes. Sif, the first episode was awesome. A fourth, uh, a former Sif apprentice leading a peaceful, but isolated life is confronted by her past when an old master tracks her down great episode I, it, it looks like the art style from the people who brought us um spider-man into the spider-verse i'm not sure but it looked like it that art style looked pretty much the same like that they were screechers reach which was episode two and uh in the stars episode three which had some type of you know beautiful 3d animation as well almost claymation almost you know uh just stop him stop motion stop. well actually no that was that was 3d animation the stop motion one came later on in the last episode uh there was also i am your mother which also had a really more uh, more of a um dreamworks style like anim 3d animation there journey to the dark heat uh was the anime episode and because i'm an anime fan this was one of my favorites um where a hopeful mechanic and delusional young jedi team up uh for a risky and unlikely quest to turn the tide in a galactic war but dark forces tell them i really liked it and this one right here was like i enjoyed this one at, not only because of the animation style the art style but just the uh the storytelling of it too and i wouldn't mind seeing this as a normal show and series for you know for uh star wars the spy dancer was also awesome completely different uh art style and, and animation style here and um it's like just just dancer of a famous imperial uh freaking cabaret uh turns the funny thing about every one of these every, every one of these episodes is like there's always a character in here who ends up finding out that they have the force or they were hiding themselves that uh, they were hiding from uh you know the world around them that you know of that they're a jedi knight so there was always this type of situation going on here i don't know if all these are 
canon to the star wars universe but they always say that everything that star wars makes is canon so there is that situation bandit of gulak was very interesting because it was a it was a indian take on star wars so basically this was like a bollywood and i i don't want to say bollywood because normally from when we see bollywood there's usually a lot of singing dancing there was no singing and dancing here there was very it was very cinematic very action-packed oriented um but it was beautiful the cultural style the cultural look of everything in this episode was highly inspired by indian culture and i really enjoyed it i i, I enjoyed it, it was it, it just it was interesting because i'm thinking all right this is heavily inspired by india and india culture almost to the point that like it's you almost got to acknowledge that earth exists in some way but i've seen that a lot i've seen this lately on a lot of different star wars uh, fr uh you know projects um we talked about jedi survivor there are some elements in that in that game from a story standpoint that it's like i feel like that at some point earth existed in this universe because of their dialogue their you know their dialect their the way that they you know present themselves sometimes you know that you know just having kind of normal conversations just sounds so normal it doesn't sound anything out of this world it sounds like something we can all relate to in a sense but they're living in this far far away galaxy and they sound like they they're from um they from america for god's sake or depending on what language you listen to it just sounds like that you know their dialogue their dialect sounds like it's from whatever native you know that they put on there it's just i just find it interesting that they don't you know go too far away from you know you know just having a different dialect in the in in that universe it just it's very very localized in this case but nonetheless it was great i love the fact that there's representation everywhere in the star wars universe and i thought that was really awesome no more than that episode and this next episode which really spoke to me and i'm pretty sure it spoke to a lot of people who got a chance to see it the pit a fearless young prisoner forced to dig for kyber and the and uh by the empire plans to do a risky escape uh for he for him and his people okay this one probably is the most polarizing episode of them all plainly because this was highly inspired by george floyd there is no way around this to say that. it first of all the characters in here are all um black and basically the kid one guy goes out and tries to you know get people to help them because the empire has kept them captive and in this case it i mean it's obvious but the empire we don't really think of the empire as cops as as rogue cops but they are rogue cops and in this episode they really did play that role so he took he risked his life to escape the pit he climbed it up he climbed up the pit and went to the city to try to get make get his voice heard and before he did that he was talking to this little girl who um basically this little girl uh who's who's in this and the, the uh the character's name is cruz and he's played by david diggs 
you know, you got uh, from uh, Hamilton, from, you know, Blackish, from, you know, a whole bunch of different deals. Steve Bloom was also in this episode as well, um, as, as was Cedric uh, Yarbrough. And we see him in, in a lot of places. Anika, no, uh, Nani Rose also played as Jordan uh, Currit and Matthew Wood all played in this as well. Um, but we, you know, he tries to escape and he manages to get his voice heard enough to get people to listen. But unfortunately, stormtroopers came and followed him, caught him, brought him back, dragged him to the pit and threw him back in a pit unfortunately he is not a jedi he's just a normal guy and this black character was brutalized and thrown back into the pit and he died where the little girl livy all of a sudden i believe yeah it is livy was the one who you know even though she was teary-eyed and cried and these guys like nobody would save them nobody would hear them nobody would help them she was the one that said we need to be a voice because that's what Cruz said we need to be a voice we need to let people hear us and we need to you know be loud enough for them to hear us and it inspired everybody in the pit to make enough noise and sound that everybody heard it all of a sudden you see all of the people that crew basically acknowledge that we are being kidnapped and and used for slavery that you know they listened they heard and they're helping they came to overthrow the empire to save these people and that's what happened this was also note the only episode that had an end credit scene on it because at the end of the end credit scene of the credits they go back to the pit area and there's this boulder with a mural in there of crew and that right there automatically right at that point i was you you would you know what this was based on this was loosely based on and inspired by everything that has happened in a black community with police brutality and, and deaths with cops and all the stuff it was deep um i thought it was beautifully done you know it was it didn't hammer down the head it was more subtle than i'm describing it but it's like if you're smart enough to understand what the premise is with this you'll get it kudos to disney kudos to lucasfilm for doing for allowing this to be done um the director leandro uh leandro thomas justin ridge uh leandro uh thomas was the writer as well for this and kudos um this was awesome this was well done. I thought this was fantastic. Landrew also has done work on Solo. Uh, he's also uh, worked on Ro He's done a lot of the Star Wars episodes. Um, he he's worked on a lot with the company. So for him to get this opportunity and for him to do what he did and um, just is it's this was uh, this was very moving. I really enjoyed this. And then the last episode, of course, was the stop motion animation. They'll all song which you know was all cute was really sweet like this year was this year and last year was really good but this year i think was a little bit i think i enjoyed this one a little bit more i like that it was all anime last year but i think this year was just the collage of different you know animation styles and, and studios i thought it was it, it it really it was really awesome 
uh, deal. So if you haven't seen it yet, and apparently people, there are a lot of people, or I don't want to say a lot of people. There are some people who have not seen it yet because they didn't know it even dropped. So yes, it is available on Disney Plus right now. It uh, launched on for May the 4th and go out of your way, check it out. It is a awesome second season for there. So, All right. The last thing I want to talk about is Mortal Kombat 2, the sequel to Mortal Kombat 1 that WB came out with. We are patiently waiting for the sequel to come out. Everybody, a lot of people enjoyed the reboot of the series and they left us off hanging with the appear with the coming appearance of Johnny Blaze and or Johnny Cage, I should say. Let me, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about Ghost Rider will not be on Mortal Kombat, although he would be a great fit. Johnny Cage is coming to the second episode. I mean, second movie. We don't know who it's going to be. They're still casting. They're still trying to find out who it is. Now, just recently, reports are saying of all people to play Johnny Cage, this is crazy. Keith, oh, I'm sorry, not Keith Urban, Carl Urban is in talks to play Mortal Kombat's uh, play in the Mortal Kombat sequel as Johnny Cage. Words, word in his most reports is that the uh, star of the prime original, The Boys, which he is awesome in, and Thor, uh, Thor Ragnarok, which he is also awesome in, and he was the Punisher at some point. He was good in that, but he was also set to play Johnny Cage. I think this is a crazy casting here, if that is to happen. Many fans, however, is are not happy with this idea. And I gotta say, I gotta be in with that one. Um, because the idea of us believing that he is a fit for this role is just, is, I don't think he's a fit for this role. There is a character that he is fit for, it's not this. Fans have been wanting WWE superstar The Miz to portray this role as his wrestling persona mimics that of Cage's traits. And I, I agree. I like, I'm not the biggest Miz fan, but I will always give Miz credit where credit is due. The dude wins, even though you think he's a loser. The dude wins. He has been championed multiple times. He is has the charisma to do what he does. Um, he's married to Maurice. Like, this dude keeps winning, regardless of the, how people hate him. You can't deny the dude's uh, fame. He just makes it happen. But he would have been, no pun intended, he would have been awesome as Johnny Cage because that's what he does. That is, he is Johnny Cage immensely. What he doesn't have is the agility and ability to perform martial arts moves. But he is a very dedicated dude. I, I That I will also say, he is very dedicated to making sure that he gets the job done. So I believe if he said he was going to learn to... Uh, you know, do martial arts. I, I would damn sure believe he would do it. And I think he would pull it off. Like, I don't give Miz credit too much credit on a lot of things, but I think he could pull this off way better than Keith Urban, uh, Keith Urban because I mean, Carl Urban, I keep saying Keith Urban. It's so easy to say Keith Urban, but, um, it, Carl Urban is just so such a roughneck dude. Like I can't see him playing such a character like this. Miz him like, Miz is just, he's that flamboyant type of character. Like it is, it is just insane. Of all the characters that Carl Urban could have played in this movie, it should have been Kato. 
he has the accent he has the look i mean dude he is kano all day every day they should have just cast it like and no disrespect to the actor who played kano in the first movie he was dope i just think that carl urban was a dead ringer for that role and now he's gonna play somebody the polar opposite of him nah i don't know i mean but it is hollywood that's what acting's all about so if he could if they think he could pull us off let him but i just i don't know i just really ah I, I don't know nothing is set in stone but we will keep our ears open for any announcements on that um as well as the announcement of mortal kombat 12 which is set to be coming this year according to warner brothers who did that announcement during a shareholders meeting NetherRealm Studios uh, had it put out, posted a major thank you to fans just recently supporting the game as they celebrate their 30th anniversary. And at the end, Ed Boon did state that there is more to come and they are far from over. So that sounds like a little bit of a tease of something coming, maybe hopefully an announcement of Mortal Kombat. The gentleman who did the, who, um, who, uh, hosted the meeting for the shareholders uh, meeting. He said that this was coming out this year. And I think it was this, I don't know who, it was one of, it was like a high exec of WB. I talked about this a while ago in, um, in, in a previous episode, but he stated that it is coming out this year. So I hope that's the case. That would be awesome, but it's May. We haven't heard anything yet. So <laughs> we will see how this goes and how it comes off from there. So we'll, we'll play it by air from there, but folks, that will do it for news with uh, sorry that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg i haven't got my i haven't had my chai tea yet so this is why i'm just going everywhere we're going to take a break come back and when i do i will give my thoughts on guardians of the galaxy volume 3 and we'll do that right after this as i get my chai tea ladies and gentlemen this is dax xavier josiah the host of acmg presents talk time live the podcast you want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime comics movies and games such as this is miley flanagan the voice of naruto this is stephanie shea the voice of sailor moon this is ruben langdon voice of ken masters and dante from devil may cry hey there this is kyle abear the voice of ryu from street fighter 5 this is chris battle character designer of teen titans go here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You may know me from such films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and a whole bunch of USQ films. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our top topic of the week. Ready? Fight! Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It is finally here, and we are seeing the closing of a chapter in the Guardian saga. And maybe the start of a brand new one. But that's how this is kind of leaving it an open-ended, uh, you know, movie for us as we get to see Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Nebula, Groot one more time in this epic, 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 but really kind of emotionally. All right. All of the, let's be real. All the, all of the, at least the second one was very emotional. They wanted to keep pulling and tugging on this one with another 
you know, uh, really heartfelt one. And one that I think PETA will not deny. <laughs> this is a very PETA-centric movie, okay? This was about love. This was about love for animals. This was about, you know, the protection of animals, if you will, and the care of animals. This is very animal-centric, but also carried on the continuing saga of Peter and his heartbreak over the loss of Gamora, the previous Gamora that he loved, not the current Gamora, because that's one that's from a different timeline, if you will. And it, it just continues the saga. It also enters the high evolutionary played by Chuck Woody Iwiji, who is also known for Peacemaker as well. But, you know, one of now James Gunn's favorite actors to, you know, pull across. If you talk about any actors that will probably be in the DC universe, even though his particular character died in the DC universe, I think we'll see him portray another character again down the line in, in, in DC studios, guaranteed. Um, you know, James Gunn wants to pull a few people from his from the Marvel realm over there. I think if anybody, he may be one of them in portraying another character at best. But man, this movie, I really love this movie. This was an emotional send off for the Guardians here. I mean, we got to see it all. We got to see characters evolve from the last. I mean, there's, there's a lot of evolution here. There's a lot of story development that finally has, you know, met its, you know, the it, its form. And if you will, like the fact, just a little stuff for comic book fans, there's the fanfare aspect. We finally got to see these guys wear, you know, wear the uniforms because the original Guardians of the Galaxy wore the uniforms. I didn't even think about that them even wearing it. I've seen them. We've seen them in animated form wear the costumes. We've seen them in a video game wear the costumes. Didn't even think about that they were going to actually wear the costumes. I thought it was just going to be like the modern version, but no, they went back to the classic here. And let's talk about the story real quick, briefly. I'll read it off from IMDb. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and uh, one of their own. A, uh, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians, if not successful, which is very true because they went through a lot of hell here and high evolutionary was the main reason for it. I thought this was great. I also like the fact that this storyline was part like Peter's storyline kind of played the B role at this time around because the main focus to me was Rocket Raccoon. And we can now say Rocket Raccoon because he finally acknowledged himself as Rocket Raccoon. Bradley Cooper was was practically the main, you know, character in this episode or in this movie, I should say, in this in the third part of the saga, as we found out his true origin story came here and the fact that i don't know if this happened in the comics because i didn't read guardians in the comics but if this is an original concept i thought this was brilliantly done but apparently turns out that the high evolutionary created rocket he experimented on him he experimented he experimented on a lot of animals that he apparently took from earth to create this new earth that became this it was supposed to be an evolutionary version of our earth consisting of humanoid animals that were able to live in harmony that didn't happen 
we we found out later on it didn't happen but rocket was one of the original experiments that he made upon that but what he is what he started discovering is that rocket was even smarter than the high evolutionary that's it justified a lot of what we saw throughout the years with rocket and how he was able to conjure up all types of different you know situations and contraptions and 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 uh you know uh you know inventions and whatnot and also in this movie because he helped he helped uh nebula create a brand new arm and an awesome new arm i should add it was it was freaking awesome <laughs> this the the arm that she had this time around could do so much it you know it could blast people it could hack into things it was awesome and she revealed that um he was able you know he was the one that created it so it, it played into the story aspect of how rocket is extremely intelligent and also what i loved about this is some of the character direction here you know peter again he peter was taking a back seat but he still stood out i would say now i think i think james gunn written wrote a really good story involving that but didn't let it overtake everything that was going on with the other story elements um i would say the high evolutionary for me was the one of the best i'm not going to say he's the best i still think thanos still he there, nobody's topping thanos yet but the high evolutionary right now is in the, my top list of villains because not only was he powerful but man, well, he was, he was cutthroat. He was, he was sociopathic, if you will. Um, if the way he just did not care about how he tweaked animals and how he just experimented on anybody, it just didn't matter. It was for his own comfort. It wasn't for the sake of evolution. It was for his own comfort. He didn't like the way the universe was made, so he made it into the universe that would comfort him. You know what's crazy? That's a lot of people in this world. We don't have to be... The, the, the mindset of the high evolutionary is kind of the mindset, I dare I say, of most people in this, in this world today, in our country today, who don't like the way things are. So they try to change it for their own comfort, except instead of accepting things the way they are. That is our country ideology in a nutshell for a high percentage of people in this country. And that is what the high evolutionary did. And in fact, this is what happens if a guy like the high evolutionary, a guy who does not like change or doesn't like the way things are. That's what happens when a man like that has power. And that's what could happen if we give people like that power. Just think about it for a sec, you know? Um, you know, and, and this really, you are, you kind of understand why Rocket is the way he is. I also just love the fact that they closed the book on the idea that he doesn't believe that he's a raccoon because he discovered that he's a raccoon and the fact that he's from Earth. And it just led to him actually acknowledging that he's Rocket Raccoon. I love that. This was kind of the Marvel Studios has a way of telling stories that drags out what we want to hear and see. We got to see the the uniforms of the Guardians and now we got to see Rocket 
acknowledge himself and call himself Rocket Raccoon. This is the same thing. You got to look back. This is a trait that Marvel Studios has done. I'm watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it took them two seasons for them to acknowledge that Sky was Daisy Johnson. And then even three or four seasons, like two more seasons for them to call her Quake. They do this all the time and it's always brilliantly done. It took them a decade. It took us a decade for it to hear Captain America say Avengers Assemble. So this is the part because we live in such a rushed generation where we can't, we have to have everything now. We don't want to wait for things to progress. You come on, let time go by. I mean, this is not just a, this happens on all different genres, not just comic book movies or stuff like that. Uh, wrestling, it happens there too. People, every, everybody wants in, in wrestling, their favorite wrestler to be champion, to be a champion, to be focused and all like let things run its course and enjoy the ride. Cause that's what we used to do 20, 30 years ago is watch content where we enjoy the ride. We just enjoy what we're seeing right now. And then things develop as they go along. And it, it is cool. I'm watching ages of shield again, not really remembering everything that happened, but still being excited for what's to come. And it's an enjoyable ride. The same thing happens with this. Just enjoy the ride. Like things are not happening the way you want it to happen, but it eventually happens. And I will say like, well, let's talk about another character here. Adam Warlock, who was played by Will Porter, uh, Porter. From a physical standpoint, from a visual standpoint, from a power level standpoint, that's Adam Warlock. From a personality standpoint, he was a little bit off-putting because I know comic book fans wanted to see the Adam Warlock that we know from the comics. But you always got to have this mindset that it's like one, this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So everything that happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't always happen in the way of the comics. This is their own version of what have happened. But still, there's an acknowledgement that the 616 exists or whatnot. Here's another thing. Somebody pointed out in our ACMG Facebook group that they did say and uh, who said this? I'll give him, I'll give him credit for this. Um, Sean Yuri, he did point out that, you know, cause somebody said that, you know, they didn't enjoy the movie. Mel Davis Jr. I'll give from our ACMG Facebook group pointed out there. They said, it's not saying that he, it was a bad movie, but he didn't enjoy it. And mostly because one of the reasons I should say, not mostly, but one of the reasons because Adam Warlock, um, that they didn't do him any favors. He act. he came off like a Thor S and I, I agree with that. He did come off a little bit Thor ish in this, but Sean Yuri credit to him did point out that they did say that he still is in the infant stage, um, that he was still not the mature because they took him out of the cocoon early. So it's going to take him time to be that Adam Warlock. So it, it they kind of justified his characteristics in this aspect as well. So I'm going to read more off of what some of the uh, ACMG members have said after this, but I want to keep going with the character development here. We let's talk about Vin Diesel uh, playing Groot. His character in here also evolved. He's a lot older now. He's understanding his abilities. He can now become Kaiju Groot. 
<laughs> now, which I thought was hilarious here. Um, it was just fantastic. Newcomer to this. We saw her debut on the Christmas special, but now she's officially a guardian here. That is um, Cosmo played by Barat, Barat fame, uh, Maria Baklava. She does this character justice. Now, the original Cosmo was not male, uh, female it was male, but this one is female. I love her as Cosmo. She is, the voice is just so adorable as Cosmo and she plays the dog. She plays the doggy traits, but also the intelligent trait very well and switches up on that point. I just enjoyed her so much. And they made her character a force to be reckoned with because her tele, uh, telepathic or telekinesis powers really played in really strongly here. Just understand how powerful uh, this character is. So really enjoyed that uh, part of it here. Um, who else did we have here? We had Dave Batista. Dave Batista as Drax and, and Palm Cleman uh, Teeth, if I'm pronouncing that right. The Drax and Mantis dynamic is always a lot of fun. They poke fun at each other, but there also is a slight kind of, you know, there's a friendship with this, but there's also a kind of a, they don't reveal that they really care about each other more than they fail, more than they fail to admit here. So they also, they keep playing on that aspect here. Um, and you know, her dynamic with, you know, Peter now that, you know, they are, you know, acknowledged as brother and sister in here too. She heard, uh, trying to convince Peter to that. She need, he needs to go back home to visit his, her, um, his grandfather who he left so long ago after his mom died and trying to convince him to, you know, get back to that aspect, you know, is best, you know, she has him as a brother, but you know, she needs to all, he needs to also go back home to let him know and spend the time that he has with him before he goes. So, uh, and I, I talked about Nebula, you know, uh, Karen Gillen, <laughs> she's, she's, uh, evolved this character so much to such a lovable fan favorite character in here. And she's also changed in her development as well. She's become a lot more of a caring character, a little bit more heartwarming. She actually shows her emotion this time around because when the high evolutionary took out rocket and we didn't know what was going on and the fact that rockets uh system there was a there was a a fail safe system that if anybody tried to tamper with it that he would blow up or whatnot or he would be he would die instantly so they went on a journey to go out to save their friend and you see the family aspect of the guardians in here and it's it just so awesome how far we've come with this group from the very beginning, losing Gamora, but gaining Nebula. And then Nebula being kind of the, you know, more family oriented type of person because she's now had the family that she didn't have when she was with Thanos and such. And it's just an awesome thing. And just to come full circle with everything that has happened here and to see her become emotional when she finds out that Rocket is alive, it was just, it was awesome. You know, because it's something that it just didn't instantly happen, but you saw her progressing to become loving and caring with every time that you see her on camera. You saw that in Endgame. You saw that when she was with Rhodey, 
You saw that when she was with Peter, uh, with, with, um, with, uh, Tony Stark and you saw her slowly caring because she had, she was able to put her defense down when she was around people that she really, that saw that really cared for her well being. Let's talk about Craglin real quick, because I thought his development also, like he hasn't been with the, he's been like back and forth with the guardian saga for quite some time, not to be really fully focused on, but the fact that they slowly assimilated him into the role as a guardian, I thought was pretty cool, especially after Yandu uh, died. I thought it was pretty awesome. So he's like a full fledged guardian in this deal, but his story was just him trying to master Yandu's arrow and, you know, pay homage to this guy now taking over his, you know, Finn or whatnot. And, that was his pretty that was pretty much his struggle throughout the whole thing but we finally got him to do that and we got to see a an appearance by michael roker everybody's favorite yondu he made an appearance in here and i thought that was fantastic so uh you know it was awesome to see him there and we got to see him you know master that arrow as well and his relationship with cosmo through the whole entire film was, was hilarious because she kept you know, she kept embarrassing him the whole entire time because of her telekinesis power. And, you know, Cracklin wasn't trying to hear. So he teased her all the, you know, knowingly he would, he didn't mean it, but he really teased Cosmo calling her a bad dog and Cosmo knew that she really knew that he was kind of teasing her, but he wanted her to take it back. So that was their dynamic the whole entire time. And it led to the end where Cosmo, you know, saved Cracklin and then he called her a good dog after she smashed, you know, two damn slaps of uh, granite <laughs> in the face of one of the enemies. It was a great moment for them. So I really like that. And the fact that we got to see Michael Roker just for a second, make an appearance. That means that this man had to come all this time. He had to, they paid him to take a trip to get in that, like what, like five, six hours of makeup to do that Yandu thing. Only for him to be there for a second. Hey, it's a payday. What can you say? And people love to see Yandu. So it was great to have him back. But we also got to see in here some other appearances as well. Apparently, like Tara Strong played the uh, mainframe, the voice of the mainframe on here. Uh, so this is like her second appearance in a Marvel movie because she also plays Miss Minutes and in, uh, in, in Loki. And she's expected to make another appearance on there as well. Uh, Judy Greer plays the war pig in this uh, episode, in this movie. As well, we also got to see some other people too. Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Lex Luthor, if you will, on Smallville. He played uh, Martinex in here. And also he plays the Flash on Justice League Unlimited. Awesome dude, love that guy. So he's now, and he's made it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. Tremendous actor. He, let me tell you, he's the reason why Smallville was awesome. I mean, everybody else was dope in that, in that series, but his portrayal of the young Lex Luthor, you gotta, like, every week, everybody wanted to see what Lex was gonna do next, because he was like an anti-hero. He didn't become the Lex Luthor that we know and love until later on, but you just, this dude was a badass on that show. You, you cannot forget that, he's he's legend. <laughs> and also, Nathan Fuller, you know, everybody's favorite from Firefly, got to make an appearance, of course, Castle and Serenity and all this stuff too. Um, but he made an awesome appearance in here as well. He was hilarious as one of the guards in um, 
this movie. So I thought Master uh, Karja, if you will, he was hilarious talking about, you know, I got a, my, I got a brother and he does the same thing and all that too. It was, it's really awesome to see him, you know, paying homage to whenever you see Nathan filling uh, in a sci-fi film, uh, it's always to pay homage to his portrayal in Firefly. Like he, the fact people love him as Captain Malcolm Mouth. Uh, Reynolds in that show so it was great to see him on here as well fit very well and another guy that I when I saw him I was like yo I know who that is and I love this dude if you ever watch Superstore and if you love Superstore you love Mateo <laughs> and Nico Santos is awesome he did so awesome in here playing one of uh, the high evolutionaries recorders if you will and uh, he played Recorder Teal in here. And he he stands out immediately. He is comedic gold in here. So I like the fact that they brought him in forever. How long that they brought him in here as well. So, I th you know, honestly, if you didn't like this movie, I don't I don't see why. Like this brought the same. If you, I think I feel like when people try to claim that they don't like a particular movie, it's them trying to become contrarian at some point. It's not the fact that they don't like the movie, but it just you tr you want to put a different spin because you know going against the grain stands you out. I don't see why people are going to hate on this movie. This brought the same type of comedy vibe. This brought the same type of uh, epic appeal that you would like. If you like one Guardians movie, you're going to like it all. And I thought that they ended with a powerful um, message, especially when it came to the animal cruelty aspect of it. But, you know, they if you just base it on the first half of this movie, if you're a PETA and didn't watch this movie, but you based it on the first half of this movie and you probably just saw this and you went online to, you know, to complain about the animal cruelty aspect, then you're an idiot. But I know PETA wouldn't do that. I think if they watch this thing through and through, yes, there's animal cruelty in here, but there's animal redemption as well and a message a really powerful message that they added to this um deal too and we got to see an evolution of rocket in this as well because rocket is acknowledged you know we didn't we knew rocket was intelligent and we knew that he can you know pretty much he's pretty much like marvel marvel's version of macgyver if you will but we didn't know how smart he was and for him to be smarter than a high evolutionary and if you're a comic book fan you understand how deep the high evolutionary is for him to be smarter than the high evolutionary speaks volumes of what rockets development is so yeah he pretty much is tony stark probably times five <laughs> in a lot of cases um because tony stark say what you will i don't think he's a robotanist he's a futurist but i don't think he could create new life and rocket has the ability to do even with the high he answered he 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 was able to create formulas that even the high evolutionary couldn't solve he was able to solve those formulas that he wasn't even able to do so that makes him one of the most smartest beings in the universe he could be part of the illuminati for god's sake you know but um it just his backstory alone i think the thing is that the other thing I think what people don't want to is be, you know, to feel emotional. They want action, all action, and they don't want depth. And this movie gave you depth. 
because that the rocket storyline is it, it 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 really mended a lot of people's heart it, it saddened people it broke people's heart in a sense but at the end of the day they got this they got what they want out of it they really got what they want out of it and i thought they overall most people seem to have enjoyed this aspect um let's read before i even go there and by the way no let's just go with the final i give this an a plus i thought that they ended off on a great note i thought that they um it was a great development between gamora and peter Quill. even though apparently it seems like they're not gonna get together at least not yet um maybe they're dragging that out too we got to see everybody have a closure uh, was it? uh drax is now going to be fathering the kids that you know the high evolutionary created and they brought everybody to nowhere including the animals as well so he's going to be taking care of them now he gets to be the father that he always wanted to be and the father that he was that was you know the fatherhood that he that was taken away from him by thanos he's going to now be kind of like the papa smurf to those kids because he you know the kids enjoyed him um nebula is going to stay with drax as well uh gomorrah is going to stay with the ravagers by the way sylvester alone came back as you know the ravagers as well uh as part of the ravagers as well or the leader if you will uh we also see groot going to be staying with them uh who else is in here that we're going to see um peter actually did go back home and left the leadership of the guardians to rocket so rocket now is the guardians the new leader of the guardians with adam warlock as a part of it as well uh so we got to see that and groot as well as the one of the kids that is going there so we got a whole new guardians so we got new avengers and we got new guardians also in the play that is going to lead up to the kang dynasty in the secret wars so there's a new breed of uh heroes coming soon so that is happening there Peter goes back home. He sees his grandfather. He hangs with his grandfather. We do get new end credit scenes, in one of which shows Peter with his uh, grandfather, and they say Peter will return, or the legendary Peter Quill will return. Now, this leads me to believe that he may have his own movie come out with Peter Quill, because in, even in the comics, he goes solo, and they have a solo series with Peter Quill in there. So. I can see this happening in a sense so that can happen as for the guardians itself i don't know what's going to happen with the guardians are they going to have a new guardians i definitely believe that they will appear in secret wars in, in the kang dynasty in some form or fashion so i do believe they will be back um we will see but uh drax is officially gone nebula technically is gone um and that just leaves the rest of them and i don't know where this is going <laughs> in this case but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do next. But this is also the last, well, one of the last James Gunn projects for Marvel, because I believe there is another Christmas special coming and that's going to totally cut him off from Marvel going into the DC Studios uh, era at this point. So kudos to him. I give this an A plus. I really enjoy this. Uh, I can watch all three of these movies and enjoy each one of them individually and creatively. Um, they just you know james gunn just does not do wrong man you could try to say what you want but this movie was awesome it may have been too emotional for you you may not care about animals it may not be what you want but you know people are probably going to say there's going to be some people who are going to say volume two was 
great. I'm going to agree with him. I love volume two better, but this does not to say that this wasn't a um, just as good. This was a really great movie and a great, powerful third movie. Uh, you know what I won't agree with, what I will not agree with was the commercials and the uh, promo saying that this is the best thing since Endgame. This is not. There is there is no Marvel movie better than Endgame. None. Not even. The fact that the, the, no, this was a great payoff. Endgame was a phenomenal payoff. It was a payoff 10 years in the making. And it met the standards. You cannot compare this to Guardians of the Galaxy, which was only three movies. We're talking 10 years of movies, all culminating to one major event in one spectacular moment that did not disappoint. It was the biggest payoff ever in Hollywood. <laughs> okay. This was a great, this was a great movie. Endgame was phenomenal. And if I could say, if there was a movie that I would say would even come close to what Endgame was, I would say that goes to Spider-Man Far From Home because they gave us something we never in our wildest dreams thought that we were going to see. And that was Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire with Tom Holland all at once. And then not only to do that, to make it work. There's no way that this is better than Endgame. No, you know, I because of that, I feel like I should give that just a solid A, but it's still a great movie. I enjoyed it. It was hilarious. It had its touching moments. It had his very funny moments at his action. Oh God, the fight scenes in here was so awesome. Like the fight scenes at the end was like an intergalactic version of a daredevil fight in a hallway. <laughs> okay. They would add it. It was so awesome. And Adam Warlock, say what you will. As long as they didn't nerf his powers, which they did not, he is a very powerful being. I think we get, if they, you know, allow him, give him time to develop. I think he's going to do tremendous, uh, down the line sad that they killed his mother in this whole thing or his sister whatever whatever they the, the, the uh the uh his sister from the uh last film uh who played by elizabeth uh de becky she uh they apparently you know high evolutionary killed her after he killed that entire planet of humanoid animals in there so yeah like i said like when it comes down to it i think the high evolutionary is going to go down as one of the most ruthless villains that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ever made. Like, damn, almost, he he literally gave Kang the Conqueror a run for his money in here. Like, he got to do a little bit more than what Kang the Conqueror did on, uh, Aqu on uh, I was about to say Aquaman, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantiverse. Dude was just ruthless as hell. So, we will see. But folks, let me, I, before we do that, let me uh, give a little mentioned to people on the ACMG Facebook group here. Mike Selgley, such a good movie. Very sad in some parts, but I do believe Cosmo is a good dog. <laughs> agreed. Very much agreed. Uh, let me see. Naj, I, I, I'll, I'll try to summarize it because he always puts in a full review in here. So I love this movie. It was a great final chapter. I feel like this movie wasn't where Adam should be, should have debuted it or just uh the new guardians but it worked porter did a great job uh well i'll just leave it at that because he just goes on a whole entire thing but he overall he loved the movie 
in that case. Um, again, Mel Davis Jr. said, uh, I'm not saying that I didn't, it was a bad movie, but I didn't enjoy it. The rocket flashbacks were very hard to watch and it took me out of the movie. Again, this is, it was, I can understand it. It, it, it's an, a very, it hits you hard. James Gunn hits you hard with that storyline. You know, you don't want to see people in such a issue, but I mean, this is reality. This stuff happens. I mean, it's the gritty truth that we don't like, but at the end, they did get a great payoff from it. Rocket did get his revenge on uh, the loss of his friends. It, they, they tugged on the heart and they grabbed it. You know, that's what they were supposed to do. So in hindsight, even though he didn't enjoy it, I feel like it kind of mission accomplished because it, you know, there's some things you just aren't supposed to enjoy, like racism, police brutality. You're not supposed to enjoy that stuff on on camera or in real life. <laughs> it's the reality that some of us have to deal with. Some things that you have to accept, but the, at the end of the day, there was a payoff. He did get his revenge. He got, you know, justice from for his friends and vengeance from that point. You know, it was what it was, but um. My man, uh, Michael Burhan. I love this movie. I cried way too much. Love the stories. I did get emotional, but I did nowhere near like I did with Endgame or Far From Home or even Volume 2. Like those are the three ones that every time I watch it, I get really emotional. I get I, I get teary eyed as hell. Um, this one got me a little bit emotional, but nowhere near like what Beyondu Death did. That one really did it for me because i feel like i knew what was going to happen with his friends i knew that that was going to happen with his friends so i mean that was there but he uh says that he um loved the stories loved how peter had to go through a journey to accept himself instead of trying to persuade someone who looks like his lost love to be with him yeah i agree with that and i'm glad i you know I wanted those two to get back together, but the idea that they didn't get back together based on the circumstances, it, it's understandable. And I was okay with that. I had no, no issue with that. I love Rocket's journey and how Groot is a powerhouse and how uh, they wrapped Drax's story of making him a father once again. Again, agreed. I, I, I saw that too. It kind of, you know, full closure for him. You know, that's what makes this such a great finale is because they did close the book on a lot of things, even in Nebula, feeling like she's with a family because they, she never got that opportunity to do that again. So really enjoy that. Um, <laughs> Morgan, Morgan Daniel Beck um, on our HMG Facebook group said, probably the most uncomfortable viewing experience ever. Mission accomplished on James Gunn. I, I can't disagree with him on that. It was very uncomfortable, but if you, it's, you know, animal cruelty is not supposed to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be something we should be accepting. It's something that we should enjoy. It is determined, the word cruelty alone, that's not something you enjoy. Police brutality, that's not something you enjoy. Racism, that's something you don't enjoy. Abuse, that's something that you don't enjoy. But we need to experience that. We need to have that feeling in order to have empathy, to have some type of understanding. Because if we don't, if you don't feel like that, then yeah, you should probably check into a therapist or something like that. Maybe you should check into a therapist every once in a while anyway, you know? But it's just, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things. That, that Saying that it is probably the most uncomfortable viewing experience ever, that to me says you have heart. That to me says that 
you do have feelings that you care because you should and that should be a lesson to everybody you know like clerks three it's hard for me to watch that because the fact that dante died that still kills me to this day it's gonna be a while i look it was brian o'halloran's best performance to date i mean incredible performance he did in that movie but man i can't because i so love the dante character and the fact that they just killed him off the way they did it was just so crazy so i get it this is i feel the same way on that to clerks three is this dude um feels with uh that it's just, it is man I, I i feel it all right but that'll do it for this episode folks this is talk time live i'm glad that you enjoyed it uh man this has been a week it's been a crazy week i'm on the second thing of empty that's why if, if i sound any kind of weird that's the reason i got my chai tea i should be fine for this week but um as the week's coming we are counting down the days before zelda tears of the mountain oh in just five days six days actually Stroke of midnight. I'm not getting any sleep. Stroke of midnight, 12 Friday morning. I'm not getting any sleep because I'm going to be playing the hell out of this game religiously. Um, I will have an episode of Select Start this week. Probably talking about some of the best uh, Zelda games ever. Maybe I'll bring up a, re uh, a review or something of that. I am. I do have a few games I am playing. Um, Mega Man Battle Network. I'm playing Dust Diver. I'm also playing in the midst of this just waiting for breath of the wild because i won't be playing any of that anytime soon after that and then we're still counting down two weeks later from that the coming of street fighter 6 cannot wait for that so we'll have that um fast and furious uh 10 will be coming too in a couple weeks so we'll be reviewing with that too so stay tuned and uh more to come so you never know what's going to be coming to this but if you love this episode and every episode of talk time live you can check us out on our official webpage at talktimelive.com you can find all of our audio episodes our video exclusive interviews with some of your favorites all there easy to find and as well as other content such as the panels i've done with repop uh you can check out our blog entries and whatnot uh getting some good feedback from people with that one so check it out there and uh if you ever look and also i made it easy for you to find particular because not all of our interviews are video based we have some audio episodes too like bob camp the uh, co-creator rena stimpy there chris battle there i gotta get him on video i gotta do a video one with him because he's been on a show twice uh, i think i'm gonna reach out to him and try to get him he's the co uh, he's the uh character designer for t titans go and flintstones and many of your other favorite cartoons that you see now on cartoon network and whatnot um just an awesome guy this is a really cool guy and check out my recent interview speaking of cool guys check out my recent interview with uh jeffrey chamba cruz he came back to talk about his latest work with uh the upcoming mini series for street fighter 6 as well and we got to catch up with him on what he was doing next too so that's the latest interview that i've done right now and there may be more to come soon down the line so stay tuned for that and much much more but if you also like to subscribe and download to your favorite podcast platforms we are everywhere where podcasts are played that is including the top ones like spotify iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher Podbean, tune in um there is also audible pocket cast pandora uh tumblr you name it we are there in other places i didn't even register this in somehow you can find it that's the internet for you kids so check it out all there and thank you for your your continued support as always 
That'll do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care, guys, and have a great week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.